everybody welcome to episode 92 of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling in southern oregon man oh it was so good to be in portland for two days road i miss the city i miss the people but i'm very happy i got to hang out with you two times and like twice in the span of like two two or three weeks bro it's that's that that hasn't happened since I've lived there in 2013, bro. I know it's it's good to get my sage fix, but now it's gonna come up again next week, and it's I'm gonna be like fiending. I'm gonna be like a uh, Tyrone Biggins on the Chappelle Show, just kind of like scratching my neck, being like, "When are you gonna come back?" That is one hell of a reference, my guy. That is one hell of a reference. I loved the Chappelle Show, bro. It was I don't know, man. Like 2003, 2004, bro. When that was, that was out, that was like the hottest of hotness, bro. I mean, in terms of qu- like quotables, that was the show. If you didn't watch that show, you were left out of every single conversation. Oh, man. The I'm Rick James, bitch. The blind, black, white supremacist. That, oh, that Lil, show. Little John. Oh, man. That, that show was the hottest of hot. Oof. But yeah, it was awesome seeing you in Portland. It, originally, it was just going to be um, – we were just going to get brunch on Sunday. But then um, I somehow scored a last-second ticket thanks to uh, my parents. And that was one hell of a game, Sage. Yeah, man. That was one hell of an afternoon for your boy. He went to brunch and then immediately went to dim sum like a boss, dude. <laughs> I have no idea how you finished off your brunch and then even could look at food. Oh, dude, it was, it was, it was, dude. I mean, when there is chicken feet in front of me, I'm eating that motherfucker. Wait, hold up. Chicken feet, not chicken breast or chicken thighs. Nah, chicken feet, bro. I I can't do that. I've never had it. I don't know if I could do it. I hope this actually scores me some points. With people listening, I eat chicken feet at dim sum. I'm I'm realness with the with the Chinese. <laughs> oh man! But I mean, next next time we get some Chinese, I'll you can have all my chicken feet, bud. Oh, dude, it's it, it's the dopest, man. I, I remember when I was a young little boy at dim sum with my grandfather, and they had chicken feet, and I was all scared of it. Now I I, I approach my fears head on. And they happen to be quite delicious feet. But let's talk about the week that was with two actual wins. It's like we're, it's sort of like we're avoiding talking about the thing and just letting me go on about things I like to eat. Well, you had a good ass weekend. I feel like we should devote. I mean, we rightfully devoted the intro of the show to your, you know, second trip to Portland in what two weeks, mm-hmm. and the squad is two and zero. Oh. When you're in the building, you know, I don't I, think that's a coincidence. I'm one hell of a motivator, man. I, I got to shout out Tara, uh, friend of the show, the team mom, for giving me those tickets in the first place. Like, watching a game with her is very chill. And we happen to, like, really connect on, like, what we think this team should do. Even though we argue about 
you know, silly little things. We agree on how the flow of the game should be. So I, I really appreciate Tara for letting me uh, be her uh, date to the games. So I, I really appreciate that. You know what I appreciate, Sage? Wins? Portland closing out tight games in the fourth quarter. Well, I should say Damian Lillard Dude, closing he, out. That was probably the best game I've seen of Dame in at least three years that I've been like really fucking with this team heavy. This was I think it's tough for it for it to beat one. The 2014 closeout against the Rockets, that shot was incredible. And then the 59-point outburst without Nurk to beat a fully healthy Utah team last year. 59 points, regardless of really what else you do, that's just downright stupid. But it was an incredible first half uh, for Lillard. And really, he has been on an immense tear lately. Over his last five games, Dame is averaging 32 Point four points, uh, shooting fifty, or excuse me, shooting forty six percent from the field, and he's getting to the line nearly eleven times a night, converting an amazing ninety six percent. He went fifteen for fifteen at the line against the Thunder. So many clutch free throws, and he's also distributing. Yeah, the, he is the pocket passes, man. Seven point four assists over his last five, which is high for Lillard. And he's rebounding, which we saw early on at the beginning of last year when he came out like gangbusters. He's at six boards over his last five games. And you can look at individual talents. You can look at team situations. I don't really, really care. If this guy is not an all-star come February, they really need to just get rid of the whole thing. Because there is no way on God's green earth that he is not one of the 12 best players in the Western Conference. I think he's a top 12 player in the entire league, but you cannot tell me that there are 12 better players than him in our conference. I mean, dude was just fantastic. I mean, he saves us. He saved us, uh, I guess, yet two days ago, whatever, the last game. And you just can depend on him to make the clutch play. I mean, I... I vividly, like, when CJ accidentally got that turnover, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. But Which then, turnover? Which game? Uh, with the uh, In the Thunder, uh, oh, Evan yeah. Turner passed it to CJ. He bobbled it. Roberson picked it up. And then he was didn't want the ball at all and passed it, but the Blazers intercepted it. <sighs> that fucked with my emotions heavy, bro. But. And so Portland does go 2-0 on the week. So we're thankful there. Uh, a 113-110 victory over the Lakers on Thursday on a nationally televised broadcast on TNT. They followed that up on their second of their six straight at home against the rival Thunder on Sunday. Uh, a 103-99 victory, pushing their record to 6-4 and on the current NBA season, which right now has them tied for fourth in the Western Conference. What's crazy about the West is you have Houston leading um, the conference at 8-3. and three, But if you go all the way down to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are in um, 12th place, they're only three games back. So it's it's going to be bunched up, mm. really, I think, 1 through 11, 1 through 12 this entire year. 
So it's important that you protect your home court. And I think that's what was so frustrating early on in the season. We were letting those games slip away or not coming out mentally prepared to handle business, as was the case in Toronto. And really, either of these two games could have went to the opposition. Absolutely, bro. So it's on one hand, you're you're very thankful that Portland was 2-0. On the other hand, there are still... I would say red flags that I I don't think this is necessarily sustainable. Yes. Dame is a godsend to this franchise, but it's not fair to him. It's not fair to the fans or really realistic for him to put on these performances for what 72 more times throughout Mm -hmm. the course of the regular season. It's just not going to happen. We need more help Sage from, from our bench and what was a strong suit early on in in the regular season has really came back down to life. Um, we only had 24 bench points against 27, excuse me, 27 bench points against the Lakers. And then the Thunder, it was even more dire. We had a, a whopping 13 bench points. And Sage, I want to kind of touch on a couple of things before we get into the good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good things to talk about. You know, Nurk's back. CJ was just deadly from three-point range. And it looks like Swanigan and Davis are, are going to handle their own up front. But there there are still some issues. Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's dive into because it, it's not all roses and rainbows. You know, we have to be a little bit realistic and I think set the expectations that we could have really lost these two games. You know, there's still things to work on, still things to tighten up, still things to improve on. One of my biggest pain points this season has been Evan Turner. And, you know, I'm willing to give him, you know, um, kind of like a second chance. The first season didn't go so well. Integrated into a new team, a new culture, a new system. Got hurt really in the heart of the season and never really found his rhythm coming back, especially with the addition of Nurkic. The first couple of games, he looked spectacular. I think he had a, a plus 43 in the opening night. He did work on Oladipo um, in Indiana. But ever since that Pacer game, Sage, he hasn't been the same player, and he's really fell back into his old habits of being a ball-dominant guard who is not a threat from outside and being extra careless with that basketball. I mean, he had four turnovers against the Lakers, and he followed that up with three against um, the Thunder, and it felt like every time he had the ball, I felt unsafe. I was not secure with him having the ball, and he would just make either a pass that had no margin for error or just would flat out throw it away. And I know Coach Stotts, from the get-go, even in preseason in the training camps, had him as that backup point guard off the bench. We saw last year when it was Crab, McCollum, and... ET, that lineup really struggled, gave back a lot of points. Nobody was a true floor general. We couldn't get shots for CJ or Crab, and it just didn't seem like the puzzle pieces were fitting all together. So here's what I'm going to ask you. One, are you noticing the same things? And two, when is it going to be Shabazz Napier time? Because I think he is underutilized currently on this roster. Is Shabazz 100% healthy now? Because I remember his... He had injury problems in the preseason and stuff like that. Is he good to go? I mean, he's been playing. He's just been DNPs a few a few nights. I mean, it, it, it seems like we're just trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. 
and maybe it's time to try something new. We've had we've given Evan Turner ten games. He's done really well for two, and then a net neutral or a net negative for the last eight. It might be time to switch things up. I I remember Monty Williams giving someone ten games, seeing what would happen, and if they didn't really surprise you, you move on to the next guy, and then you'll give Evan, you know, another turn in a few games, but. It, it it sucks that we we're giving someone like fourteen percent of our salary, and we're even talking about maybe it's time to give the the minimum salary guy some run over him. You know, I'm fine with Et being on the court. I just don't like him being the primary ball handler. I think we need Terry Stotts needs to find a way to utilize him without him just pounding the ball into the hardwood for 10, 12 seconds and completely stagnating that offense. We saw, especially in that Thunder game, when Dame went out, they made their run. We were up 17 points. All all looked good. Mello was out of the game, and we had all the momentum in the world, and they continued to chip away and chip away because we could not muster any offense. I will, however, give him his due. He played incredible defense, and that's really the only reason he was on the floor but my thoughts are, what good is it if you're preventing points if you're not attributing to the points? Mm. Like it, you're, A net neutral is not good enough to be on the floor late in games. Um, unfortunately for Portland, with Aminu hurt... He was the next man up. Yeah, next man up. I, I would have liked to have seen Vonley. I think he could have played well against um, George. I think he could have played well against uh, Patrick Patterson. He actually has impressed me. His stats will never blow you away with Noah, but his defense, his ability to switch that pick and roll, I have been thoroughly impressed. And we're going to get into a little bit later, but I, I have my my theory on why Nurkic is playing so well. Yeah, I remember looking at Noah's stat line. I was like, oh, God, he's not even a trillionaire with his stat line. He's like, he only has five rebounds. He only has $5,000. If you look at all the the stats and equate it to money, oh man, it, it he I really want him to do well. I really do, and I think in certain scenarios, Noah Vonley impresses me so much with his movement, the way he can switch on on picks. I like it, but man, he needs to contribute something else. If he's trying to get a reasonable size contract or stay with this team, I just, I, I just don't see him staying on this team if he can't contribute a little bit more. This is his one year to knock the so- knock the socks off Neil and the rest of the brains trust. Well, let's not forget this is his third game back. Really, only his his second starting. He's attempted a combined four four field goals. So he's not in there to score. He did have eight boards against the Thunder, and he had um, two against the Lakers, 15 minutes against the Lakers, and 24, so a larger role against the Thunder. But his defense was strong. Absolutely. And why I'm okay with Noah not contributing on offense compared to Evan Turner, Noah's not handling the ball. Mm. Noah's not creating turnovers, and Noah's not running down the shot clock. I, I I think, and most importantly, 
Yusuf Nurkic is playing so much more like the old Nurk because he has number 21 next to him. He has that traditional big body, physical, defensive-minded power forward right next to his side. Nurk talked about being bad boys, playing that tough defense. Aminu is a great perimeter defender, but I don't think he fits the mold as your defensive four. You want mm. him guarding the three. Von Lake can lock down the fours. He can switch on the perimeter. I think for whatever reason, and you, you just happen to get these connections and almost like partnerships. They mesh so well in the post that I don't care what you give me on offense. No, if you're not attempting shot, we, we need the big three to be mm. touching the ball. So that's fine. We every team needs a guy who doesn't who just wants to defense and rebound. I mean, every team needs that Tristan Thompson, that, that Dennis Rodman. Exactly. And as long as he continues his defense and, you know, Nurt continues to thrive next to him, that to me is the equation that, mm. that Portland needs to continue to roll with because Nurk has been an absolute beast these last three games, especially the first two in the homestand. Uh, 28 points, five assists, five rebounds, three steals uh, against the Lakers on 60% shooting. Follows that up. A huge, another 25-point night on even more efficient 11 of 15 shooting, eight boards, three assists, three steals, two blocks, and a lot of fucking swagger. He had an and one over Patrick Patterson, kind of turned to the Thunder bench, eyed him down. Then he had a little bit of words for Patterson in his ear as he walked to the foul line before he knocked it down. I love that. I think Nurk looks so much more comfortable, and a lot of it has to do with we're 10 games in. He's learning to play with his weight. I think the guards are looking for him more on the pick and roll. But for whatever reason, he just plays extremely comfortable and confident with Noah Vonley. It's, it's like he's not worried about rushing his shots. He's got another big guy coming into offensive rebound if need be. For whatever reason, it, it's working. Okay, I, I've got a few questions. I've noticed that in times where we could really push in fast break, we really don't do it. Have you noticed that we're not taking advantage of fast break opportunities and slowing it up on the floor? You know what? I honestly have not noticed that. It's something I'll I'll keep an eye on. Maybe it's just because I'm so immune to Portland. We really haven't been a fast-breaking team since the early 90s Blazers when you got Drexler and Kersey on the wings. You got Porter pushing it up. Um, Duck were throwing those outlet passes. I mean, we saw the highlights with the 77 team with with the big man Mo and, and, and Big Red, those killer outlet passes just streaking up and down the floor. We haven't just seen that. Nate McMillan definitely didn't do it. Brandon Roy did, hadn't wanted no part of it. And the the 12 deep 2000 Blazers were really just more of a half court, half court offense. They're much more of a veteran team, so they didn't push it. Um, we ran a little bit with Telfair, but we were so bad that it didn't really matter. Um, I'm honestly not sure why we don't run it more, but we are a turnover prone team. It feels like so until we can get our passes in line, I'm okay with with us running a half court offense because to start the game and really all throughout Portland carved up a really good defensive Oklahoma city thunder team. And it started, as you said earlier in the show with Damian Lillard's incredible performance He had 13 assists. 
um, in total. Ten at halftime. I believe he had seven or eight in the first four or five minutes. Yeah, his, his Abs- pocket passes on the pick and roll to Nurk just he was opened up surgical. so much. Yeah. It, it was Chris Paul like with the that small little area he can get the ball to him that'll be the perfect way to lead him to the hoop. He really looked good, man. And even when time like there were times when he the 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 Thunder did not respect our shooters. They packed the paint so hard. He happened to score against three, four players just wiping at the ball. Normally I don't like that, but for Dame, that game, he was just feeling it. It might have been the, the the shoe release. It might have been that little Wayne was there. It might have been that I was there, but dude was completing stuff at the basket. It, I mean, against, like, Steven Adams and Paul George and, like, actual people swiping at it. But he was just going at it, man. Dame is incredible at finishing in traffic, and he had another big shot to kind of ice it. But the two plays that stood out in my mind that were really impressive, you said he went Chris Paul early on, early on in the game with the pocket passes. He looked like Steve Nash on a couple of those where he took on four defenders, wrapped around. And kicked it to CJ? Like, kicked it to CJ twice for open threes. Mm-hmm. They didn't so, even guard CJ in the three. They were sagging up CJ. so determined to stop Dame that they left McCollum. So if Dame can continue to attack and not settle for those pull-up 30-footers, he's going to be a handful. And and I know he's got that in his arsenal, and I know we can hit them, but it's it's a really poor quality shot. It's it's low percentage, and you're really, really letting the defense off the hook. If Because if that goes in, it might be the best thing in the world for the defense because, you know, Dame's going to continue to look for it mm. down the floor. And... Dame is too good of a player to settle for those shots. Now, I don't mind him doing that once or twice in a game, but he is too good, Sage, to to really let the foot off the gas. I think he needs to keep, you know, full 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 throttle and just attack because he is going to open the the game up for for really all of his teammates, whether it's Nurk down low or the shooters outside. The defense is really going to have to decide do we want to play him straight up or are we going to try and pack the paint and let, you know, others, others beat us. But instead of guys like Aminu and Turner on the perimeter, they're now leaving McCollum. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot better, you know, I guess proposition. If, if you're Terry Stotts on the trailblazers, you, you, you love that. You want CJ shooting wide open threes. So another thing we've watched 10 games. What? have you seen in these 10 games that the Blazers have improved on from the start of the season to now? What have has impressed you about this team? Just from the start of the season? Just start of the season to now. These 10 or games. Or from last year? No, nah, this this year. That's hard because I feel like we've had a roller coaster start to the season. I mm-hmm. mean, we looked like world beaters against Phoenix that Indi- like I said on last week's episode, that Indiana win in Indianapolis is looking stronger by the minute. But then, you know, we slump against the Pelicans, the the Lakers, or the, the Clippers. We look sluggish against the, the Suns, even in victory. The, the Raptors game was a low point. But then we kind of start to find our mojo again against the Clipper or against the, the Lakers and the Thunder. So it's really difficult to say what we've done better from the first game. To now, I would say 
individually, I've noticed more from Lillard and Nurkic. Mm. Uh, so I guess collectively as a team, we go as they go. I think we're starting to get a little bit better at getting the big three really to work together. Um, if you look at the Laker game, they our big three, Nurk, Lillard, and McCollum combined for 82 points, um, over 50% shooting from the field. Against the Thunder, they combined for, I'm just doing some quick math right here, 83 points, again, well over 50%. Our biggest complaint about the Blazers was Damon CJ, CJ, great individual talents, but they rarely were able to string together games in the same game where they both went off, let alone adding a Nurkic. So I would say these past two games have been the best version of the big three basketball that this team has seen, and it's significantly gotten better from game one to game 10. I think that our defensive rotations have been a lot better in the last, it going into this game against OKC, that they did what, like, if Jeremy Grant was on the three-point line, we sagged a bit, so if he decided to shoot, it was a positive thing. So I think we're doing th- some things defensively that I'm really approving of. So that uh, that's what I've seen. I mean, like, it's only 10 games, but it's an 82 games, 81 game season. 82. 82, shit. Well, I said it right the first time where, you know, in this, in this chunk, I've definitely seen them defensively do better in rotations every game. And one thing I've noticed, man, teams do not respect Mo Harkless. You know whose film I would love for him to see, and I know this sounds like I'm dissing him? I think he should watch some Tony Allen film from last year, because Tony Allen had one of his best scoring years cutting to the hoop really efficiently. If he just watched Tony Allen, the way he works, the way he helps create spacing while he makes cuts to the hoop... I think that would add a whole new layer to his game because him standing in the corner getting six points, three rebounds really isn't helping us. But if he was doing some timely cuts where his defender isn't even looking at him, he's straight up ball watching. If he did a backdoor cut, Dame would see it and it would be easy baskets. And I think as much, if we can get more easy baskets, it will lead to more wins. I mean, I think. That's all 100% correct. We need Mo. We need Mo from Mo for us to truly be an elite offensive team. I don't want to see him just hanging around the three point line when he had his best basketball of his career. And I think it really was um, the playoffs of 2016. He was cutting, he was following dunks. I mean, he was just a menace around the room. We saw that incredible jam on the fast break. This guy's fearless. He's got hops. He can pack it in on anyone. I want to see that aggression, and I think that's really going to help him early on in the game if he can just go to the basket, maybe get fouled, and just get into that rhythm where he just becomes aggressive on the offensive end. Um, But Sage, we've been recording for 30 minutes now, and we have not talked about the two biggest plays of the weekend. First – Dame time, Lillard time, whatever you want to call it. One of the most clutch players 
in the game, takes Brandon Ingram left to right, right to left, jump steps to his right, hits that game-winning three. How? What was your reaction as soon as as you were watching Dame, as you saw the ball go in? What were you thinking? I was, you know, it, it brings back memories. It brings back all the memories of him having the the mental fortitude to take all of these shots. It reminds me of his first game winner against Ryan Anderson. It reminds me of that .9 game in Houston. It reminds me of all of these times he took that last shot. So when he was dribbling it out, I, I had faith that this shot's either going in or we're going into overtime. I, I, I felt good about it. So when that ball, when he made it, I was just like, I did the Tiger Woods fist pump and hope to God we covered Kyle Kuzma because everyone knew it was going to him that last possession. Yeah, when when he had the ball, I felt at ease. Yeah, you felt, felt relaxed. Sick. You felt more relaxed with him handling biz in the last 30 seconds of the game. He had a tough time in Utah closing that out especially on that final possession where Rudy Gobert blocked it. I just felt like he was ready for redemption Mm. and it just had a good feeling it was going to go in. And I yelled out like a loud scream as it went in. And, you know, I love beating the Lakers and it was a frustrating game. We, we had them down 18 points and we let them back in. That second quarter, man, they really, we played some Matador defense, especially in the paint. So it was a, a really frustrating game to watch where I just, you know, kind of stayed quiet while I was watching the entire game. And then as soon as he had it, I, it just, it felt right. And if you haven't had a chance, NBA history on Twitter compiled a video of all of the Dame winners over his course of his, you know, illustrious career, which still has, it's still a pretty short career in terms of where it's going to end up. I mean, yeah. he, he was drafted in 2012. It's only 2017. The guy does it year in and year out. And really with the game on the line and the ball in the hands of any NBA player taking off the rose colored glasses, he has to be at least top three and who you want to have the ball in your hands. I mean, I, I think that clutch time is where he thrives. It's where he's cold blooded. He just, he doesn't let the pressure get to him. He doesn't get too high or too low, but I do love when he lets loose after hitting that, where he taps his wrist. You got Nurk tapping his wrist. He's just kind of flexing and yelling. I don't know God what after it, but he's just so fucking pumped up and it gets me pumped up. And he did that when he hit that big layup over Steven Adams, he hit him with the hesitation as he turned the corner, finished strong and just unreal. Mm. An unreal player, so cherish him while he is, you know, still in uh, the red and the black. The other main play that is getting a lot of national media attention, Sage, was the the flagrant two issued to Carmelo Anthony on Sunday night um, when the Thunder took on the Trailblazers. I believe Portland was up 11 or 9 at the point. Uh, it was the third quarter. Melo drove baseline on the left, went up turned his body so his back was to the basket and leaned into Nurkic with his elbow, hitting him squarely in the face. It originally was counted as an and one. They, The referees went to the monitor. They reversed the decision. They said no basket, and they gave him a flagrant two. 
Um, at that point, the game was getting extremely chippy. Uh, the Thunder had already committed a few technical fouls. The two teams don't like each other. Um, that's for damn sure. Russ gets really emotional. Russ gets in, really in, emotional. In PDX, for sure. He he really doesn't play very good basketball against Portland. No. Uh, somebody brought it up, I think, on one of the, the shows uh, post-game. But he, he seems to get into these three-point competitions with Lillard. Um, takes a lot of rush shots. And it seemed like he wasn't mentally there. I mean, he went over 5 on the free throws. But the whole team was just... I think Portland got to him. Portland played calm. And I don't like that the that this flagrant two is getting so much national attention when Dame had a brilliant perform or big three completely outperformed their big three. And at the end of the day though, talk about the flagrant all you want, continue to discount the win because this team plays best when they feel like they have something to prove and when they feel like they have a chip on their shoulder. So any way to manufacture motivation, I'm all for it. Like I, I from my seat and the angle of the TV, of the screen i didn't know if it was like an actual like legitimate hit and then i talked to my cousin who happened to be at the, his first game in like a decade plus and i asked him first thing was that a legit hit because he happened to be in the courtside seat so i'm very jealous of him for that and he's like oh yeah that 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 was a legit elbow to the face and i'm like oh all right that that changes a lot i mean I'm honestly glad they gave him the, the flagrant two for a couple of reasons. Mo Harkless mentioned the game was getting really physical. Mello had already gotten a tee. I think it's a way for the referees to say, okay, like Chill. we're here to play basketball. We're not playing, you know, playground ball. Two, I heard the verbiage, an unnatural movement on the court. And to me, that is music to my ears because over the past three or four seasons, Draymond has been kicking his leg up as he's been shooting or flailing and, and kneeing a lot of people in the crotch. And it has been deemed an unnatural movement. What Mello did, he had no reason to to turn his body in to Nurkic. He could have finished pretty easily. He could have probably – he didn't have to turn his back to the basket. But, I mean you just – you can't lead with your elbow. And I think Nurk went straight up. And I think had there not been a technical, had there not been all of this kind of chippiness, that's probably either a technical or a flagrant one. But it was an unnatural movement. It was a little excessive. And it was above the neck area. All three of those fall under the flagrant two umbrella. But I just kind of felt like it was a little interesting that it happened to be Carmelo. It happened to be this game. Uh, Damon CJ verbally tried to recruit him all summer long. He kind of said, you know, thanks, but no thanks and decided to go to Oklahoma city. So this was a very satisfying victory on so many levels because I hate the thunder. They, I I hate that they stole the team from Seattle. I don't even really like Seattle sports, but I, I, it took away our I five rivalry and it's always good to beat them. It's, up there with beating the Lakers in my mind. Mm. Yeah, man. I we were so negative last podcast, and for good reason. I, I think we yes, played like yes. shit. Right, so, and that's one point. One la, thing. La, last game against the Thunder, I was happy the entire game. They played really well, and I was very happy to witness it, to see it. I mean, 
that was a good game. And I'm very happy how they competed, played, Dame shined. That was a great game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And for the listeners out there, this is not, you know, an overly optimistic podcast. It's not an overly pessimistic podcast. We try to kind of call it like we see it. When they play bad, we're going to call them out. And we're going to offer ways that we think the team could improve. If they're playing great, we're going to you know, sing their praises and say, how can we continue to do this? Um, that's just kind of how it is. I don't think there's any real reason to push any other agenda. There's no agenda. We just... I, I don't want to bullshit people. I like this is how I felt about how we played basketball. But yeah, these are just these are our thoughts. Like they're yeah. not Blazer fan thoughts. They're not all of Rip City's thoughts. They're Dustin's thoughts and they're Sage's thoughts. We yeah. just happen to be on the same page. You know, we criticize because we care. Yeah, if I, if I was if I was cool with you know no movement on offense, and then when pick and rolls happen with Biggie and Davis. And three people happen to be in the paint. I probably wouldn't mention it on a podcast, but since I care about this team and you know, eventually them competing for a a championship or being a consistent playoff team, I'm gonna say shit that you know I see when there's things that I dislike. I mean, shit. But that last game, I thoroughly enjoyed. They came out and they played focused. And it was fun basketball to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, we don't expect to win every single game. But I I think you just want to to see the effort and you want to see the fire and the passion. And it it clearly wasn't there a couple of games this season. And there were a lot of mental lapses. And it was nice that they're, you know, they're tuning it up. This isn't a team incorporating a bunch of new parts. They played with each other for well over a season. So it's nice to see. I guess, and this is, it's tough to say because we had over 20 turnovers against OKC. I was going to say it's nice to see us like taking care of the little things, but we still need to work on mm, those. I mean, I, I think we're a very talented team that has mental lapses. And if that's being negative, hey, we, we but we do. 20 turnovers isn't good. I mean, getting the inbound pass, then bobbling it, creating a, a turnover for the team and their next to their basket isn't good. Yeah, but, real talk. When you're up six with 15 seconds left and you fear for your life that that lead's going to evaporate in, in, in the bat of an eye, you got to tighten up some things. And we really tried to give that game away. Thankfully, thankfully, they fumbled it as, as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they booted it back to us and we handled our business. But, you know, that's playoff, playoff basketball. Let's say you're up by six, same scenario. You gotta execute. It's all about execution. Yeah, I mean, would a would a Popovich coach team get freaked out with thirty seconds left? Nah, we we just gotta we gotta chill. We gotta play within ourselves. But you know what? Fuck that game was so great. I I, I you know what? Fuck because of how great that was. That turnover wasn't as bad as I think it is. We we won that game. And, Team played great. All right, Sage. Let's get into some fan questions. Up first, we have uh, Brandon Goldner at Goldner PDX. Is this the real Nurk, or is this just a hot streak? And early season Nurk was the quote unquote real Nurk. I've got my thoughts, but I'll, I'll let you tackle this one first, bud. 
I think it's closer to the one that's being successful than the one that was, you know, a major negative on the team. I think it's closer to this one. It might be because Vonley's back. It might be because he's getting used to playing at his weight, but I expect him to be more consistent with uh, his game like these last few games have been. What about you? You look at his last three games since Noah Vonley was inserted into the lineup. You've got 19 points, 11 boards, 50% shooting, three blocks against the Jazz. That's against Rudy Gobert, an elite center. You've got 28 points on 60% shooting to go along with five boards and uh, five assists and three steals against the Los Angeles Lakers, a team he should punish. Brooke Lopez isn't going to stop anyone. And then you've got 25 points on an incredible 11 to 15 shooting, eight boards, three assists, three steals, and two massive blocks against Steven Adams, a traditionally well-renowned defensive-minded big, and, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is Nurkic playing at that level that we saw over those 20 games in uh, the spring of this year. I am uh, of the same mindset of you, Sage. I really think this is the real Nurkic. Um, Playing with Von Ley has really opened the game up for him for the countless reasons we've talked about kind of kind of at end early on in this podcast and Dame and CJ have done, especially Dame, a great yeah, job. Yeah, they've made a point of getting him the ball in good situations. They're, they're identifying and they, they still missed a couple of opportunities in OKC when Adams went out and he had like Patrick Patterson on him. I think he had Jeremy Grant on him a couple times. We just have to keep finding the matchups because he's going to be a matchup nightmare most nights. And so as long as we continue to feed him the ball, get him – I think the biggest key with Nurk, get him an easy look to start the game because once he sees that ball go in the basket, his confidence goes through the roof. I mean, with how most NBA teams are going small, wouldn't it be nice to force 80%, 90% of teams to have to play to you? In the final five minutes, teams go small. They they put in their more athletic, their more skilled players. But if Nurk is having his way in the game, you can't do that. You have to have a big in to try and muscle him out. That means they're playing with a lineup they haven't been in that situation with, which is more bonus for us. I I'm very happy to see Nurk playing well. And it really helps. And and I've noticed that Damon and CJ are making a point to find him. And that's that I mean that that's probably why he's looking so much better. And so Blazer to your point, Blazer two four seven wants to know, does he average a double double this season? What are his stats now? I think it's seventeen and 16 points, 8 boards right now. I don't think he's going to get a double-double. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just he's not a a dominant rebounder, and and that's okay. Our guards have done better. Von Ley is actually really nice on the glass, as is Aminu when he's in there. Um, 
we really don't get hurt too badly on the boards. So I'm not worried about him not getting the double-double. I think we honestly need him on the defensive end, blocking shots. And I'd be happy if he actually just increased his output scoring because that's where we really – we need our big three to put up put up buckets. Yeah, I just I, – I, I don't see him getting 10 a game every game. But as long as he's productive, I don't really give a shit about stats. Last question again from Blazer247. How many more consecutive games will Lillard finish with 30 points or more? He is currently at four straight games of 30 or more. I think it ends against Memphis. Memphis is a good defensive team. They, they're they a positive defensive team with Tyreek Evans as their two, dog. That, that culture, that... The way they play defense, it, 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 I think it's ending uh, tomorrow when we play Memphis. I say it goes three more games. So who we, we he goes third against Memphis, and who are the other two teams? Brooklyn and Denver. Okay, that yeah. If, if he makes it past Memphis, he's definitely extending it past those two teams. And the only reason I say Memphis is because we're going to need him to have a big night to beat that team. Dustin and Sage here about to go into this week's slate of games, which include the Memphis Grizzlies uh, Tuesday, November 7th, the Brooklyn Nets Friday, November 10th, and the Denver Nuggets on Monday, November 13th. Uh, still in this long six-game homestand, Blazers are already 2-0. and I think the most difficult challenge of the remaining four games is the, the next one on the docket, Sage, Absolutely. against the Memphis Grizzlies. They are 6-4, and four, a similar record. Beautiful wins. They beat the Rockets twice. They have beat the Golden State Warriors. However, they just got thumped pretty badly against the Lakers. I know they came back and made a game of it. But this Memphis team really feels Jekyll and Hyde. You know, you have Chandler Parsons getting booed early on in the season. Now he's coming back to shoot, I think, what, 50% from three. But he's still resting certain games. They might have the worst starting forwards in the league. Oh, and guard, like shooting guards too, man. Two I mean, through four. So they've got, obviously they've got Mike Conley and they've got Marc Gasol, but then they've also got uh, Dylan Brooks, who's playing well as He's, a rookie. He looks really good. Um, is Jamichael Green a starter for them? Yeah, I like him. And, and then James the Ennis. James Ennis. So right there, Portland, if they take care of the basketball – they don't commit silly fouls and get Memphis in the penalty early and allow Memphis to dictate not only the tempo, but the pace at the foul line. They should have a good opportunity to win this game and also start to push the tempo a bit. Portland will not win this game if it's in the 80s or low 90s. Yeah. I'd really like to see them get 97, 98, you know, even 100 plus. I think that's how you beat uh, this Memphis team, they're not the grit and grind Grizzlies of old. You know, Tony Allen's gone. Vince Carter's gone. Uh, Zach Randolph's gone. However, they still have Big Mark, Big Spain in the middle, and they have Mike Conley, who has really played Portland tough over the course of, of his tenure in Memphis. So, Sage, what are you looking for when these two teams do battle? Portland has to start fast. They have to jump to a lead. Make Mark and Mike feel 
like they can't keep up. I think what they do extremely well is execute in close games. So if Portland just blitzes them, jumps out to a huge lead, they're not going to have the talent to get take overtake that lead. So the my X factor is starting off hot and I I think it's going to be a lot of CJ McCollum this game. CJ does traditionally play really well against the Grizzlies. You all remember he broke out in the 2015 playoffs uh, against Memphis, especially that that game three outburst. But Sage, I, I really think there are two things this is this game is going to come down to. One, Yusuf Nurkic and how he defends without fouling. Mm-hmm. He absolutely cannot get into foul trouble because we have nobody else on this roster who can handle Marcus Gasol down low. He's a very but tricky player. Nifty. I would like to keep him on the perimeter if at all possible. The other thing I would like to see Portland do is trap Mike Conley or get the ball out of his hands. He cannot dictate the offense and run it as he wants to. We need to make life a little bit miserable for him and make the Dylan Brooks, the Ennises, and the Jermichael Greens of the world beat us. We have seen Terry Stotts not adjust in those scenarios, just like he did against uh, Giannis and Blake Griffin. However, he did adjust against the Thunder when we were switching the pick and rolls. Dame was getting switched onto Carmelo, and Carmelo started off, I think, 4-4 or 5-5 from the field, just turning and shooting over him. Now, the Grizzlies do not have a stretch for the the caliber of Carmelo Anthony. Jermichael can hit a three. But he's not Carmelo Anthony. No, but he actually he has the ability. But I'm saying if he's matched up on Lillard, he's not going to get buckets five out of five times from 15 feet plus. That's all. That's all I was saying. But he did, you know, adjust and Mello was really a a non-factor from that point on. So I would like to see us take some chances defensively and really try to dictate the the way the game's being played because you don't want it to be ugly. You want it to be pretty. You Mm -hmm. want to be run. You actually do want to push the tempo a bit. So. Keep Nurk out of foul trouble. Try to force Conley into some turnovers and then limit your turnovers as well. Memphis is still going to play a tough brand of defense. Just take care of the ball and don't don't force up just long-range shots. Let's try to penetrate that defense. Maybe get Marcus Gasol playing in the pick and roll. Bigs don't like being out there dancing around, so that pick and roll with, with Nurk and Dame is going to be key. Player-wise for X-Factor, um, I think it might be Caleb Swanigan off the bench. He really provided uh, a nice spark for this team. And Brandon Wright is a long big, mm-hmm. but he's a thin big who I think Swanigan, one, he doesn't have to worry about on defense. He just has to box him out. Wright's not going to take him out in the perimeter. And two, I think he it's going to be an interesting rebounding battle between those two down low. If he can win that battle, I think it's going to give our, our bench, bench a, a real big boost. And on Memphis' side, I don't can't believe we're saying this, but watch out for Tyreek Evans. He's been playing really well. <laughs> He's lately. been fucking killing it, man. And I, I th- he couldn't make a fucking layup in New Orleans. He absolutely could not. But all of a sudden, he's playing really well in Memphis. I think that CJ is going to have a humongous game. It's you've watched Dylan Brooks more than ever, anybody I know. What do you think of his, him defensively? It's strange because at Oregon he was defending 
fours. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I he'll they'll probably get put on Mo Harkless. It's going to be on Mo Harkless to make him look like a rookie. That means you know fake like you're going to you know so pop they'll out put James Ennis on CJ. Yeah, Dylan Brooks cannot stick with. He's not laterally quick enough to stick with CJ. I think he's. I mean, I know positions don't really matter as much, but I think he's on the program. The two. I mean, CJ will eat if they put Dylan Brooks on <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I. I mean, I like James Ennis a lot, but he ain't gonna stay with CJ. I think. I think CJ is the X factor this game. Who do you have winning? <sighs> That's a tough one, man. If it's a blowout, I go Portland. If it's close, it's nope, Memphis. I know, but I know. I'm, nope. I'm reasoning with myself. And we had two good games. Honestly, I'm going to loss. It's tough because is Portland going to come out motivated to continue to prove the doubters wrong? Or are they going to start feeling too good about themselves and not show up? I mean, both. I mean, it is a Tuesday. I mean, it's just a weird day to have a big game. I do think the opponent matters in this one. Um, They are going to be fired up to play the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I really think Dane getting the monkey off the team's back collectively with that three over Ingram kind of wiped away a couple of the, the early season demons in terms of closing out games. I think this one is going to be, a game of runs. I think Portland's going to come out, but I think Memphis is going to respond. Um, but in the end, Damian Lillard is the best player on the court. I think he's going to find a way, whether it's through CJ or Nurk or him doing it himself. I think he's going to get it done. I think Portland, it's going to be a similar game to OKC. We might go up 17, but they're going to claw back and it's going to take a couple of buckets from Dame. So I got Portland uh, winning a really close game. Friday, November 10th, Alan Crabb makes his uh, return with the Brooklyn Nets as they head to Rip City. Uh, the Nets, you know, as, as we discussed, um, I think on our preview podcast, they're not as, as bad as most would seem to be, even mm-hmm. with the loss of Jeremy Lin. Yeah. I mean, they're getting it done with some random players, man. I've... I'd, I've always liked Kenny Atkinson as a coach. And they have no reason to suck. They just have no reason to suck. Their they're picks in Cleveland, they're trying to win. There are teams that are obviously not trying to win. I think the Blazers will out-talent them, but this can't be like the Sixers two years ago where they just overlook a team. And CJ has to hit a game winner to beat them. Yeah. So what I would like to see, Dame's been playing better defense. Move Dame or CJ to Allen Crabb. The remaining goes to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Take Maurice he got Parker. Hurt. He got Is hurt. he not going to play? Uh, he got hurt this game. I, I, he played and then got injured. So I don't know, I don't know what exact, exactly it is, but he got injured this last game. Well, then who would be their replacement? Damari Carroll. Okay, put Dame or CJ maybe on Damari Carroll. He's not going to post anybody up. If if D'Angelo gets going, I would love to see Terry put Mo Harkless on him, just a bigger body, because D'Angelo is he, he hurt really his hip. Re- D'Angelo really reminds me a lot of Nick Van Exel, 
just a guy who's not consistently great, but he is a threat at any given night to take over a game because he can get hot. Um, so on one side of the ball, make others beat you. I definitely wouldn't let Alan Crabb get open looks. I would be up in his grill constantly. He's going to want to have a big night against his former team. But where I see Portland really doing work is down low in the paint. That's Dame just driving like a madman. D'Angelo's not going to stop him. Alan Crabb's not going to stop him. And Nurk, they have no bigs at all that can handle him. If there's a time where he gets a 30-20 game, it could be against Brooklyn. So just to – Joe Harris started over for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson – He's more of a shooter. You don't really. Oh, f- Sage, put me on Joe Harris. Put you on Joe Harris. That's that's fine. Let don't don't even worry about him. Yeah, let's focus on stopping D'Angelo Russell and just pounding them inside with Nurk. That's my X factor. Yusuf Nurkic. Do you? I sort of am wondering what it would take to get Damari Carroll on this team. Would you want Damari Carroll on this team? Only if you can offload another awful contract because there's no way I'm taking on somebody else's mm. bad signing. We've had enough of those on this team. So if magically we can get one of rid of one of the bat worser contracts, would you take them? Myers Leonard for Jamari Carroll, absolutely. Okay. He he's the type of guy that I think Portland needs the scrappy. I'm hungry. I need this type of guy. I mean, definitely can always use more, more fire, more grit. I mean, Wes was the heart and soul of, the, of this this roster when he was here. Um, another thing to take into consideration: while Brooklyn is four and six, um, they are just one and four on the road. They pick up their first road victory, I think, tonight in Phoenix, ninety-eight to ninety-two. So that they could be feeling just good about getting that one victory. Portland really needs to exert themselves um, up by 10 after the first quarter. Huge key. I think they win, but it's not going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be probably a similar score to what the Phoenix-Brooklyn game was. I think Portland maybe wins by six or eight points. Um, The Blazers aren't there yet in terms of seeing a bad team and pouncing. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen that once, and that was the opening night. But we let Phoenix really stick around. We let the Lakers do the same exact thing. I would be thrilled if we put them away. But, you know, in the end, I'll take a win. And I do think it's going to be more of a hot, a hard-fought variety. This is more of the team that scares me with our defensive deficiencies, with our not really sticking with the pop man on pick and pops. Brooklyn has guys that can hit some threes. You got Trevor Booker, you got Carroll, you got every, I mean, Atkinson's whole thing is get as many threes up. So I think we have to stay conscious of that, stay disciplined defensively, which we're getting better at. But I definitely see us taking this win. Who's your X factor in that game? Who? Um. Does this feel like an Evan Turner game where you can actually get going? No. There's not really that... There's not that small guy that he can just bully in the paint. You don't think he could bully AC? Maybe, but for me, Nurk's dominating, and then... Well, I took Nurk, so... uh, Well, then, as a secondary guy who could get biz... 
Um, he might not have the stats, but I think Noah Vonley has a very important job of defending the pick and pop, so he might surprise us. All right. Up last on the docket is a game Monday, November 13th against the Denver Nuggets. The first of four meetings between the division foes. Uh, We all remember last year's final game in uh, the Rose City against the Nuggets. Nurk went absolutely bananas, really neutralized uh, the Joker, and basically called Denver out at, on the post-game interview saying, I, I told them a happy summer because you basically just got eliminated from the playoffs and did, you know, uh, basically a huge mic drop all over the organization. There is no love lost there between Nurkic and the Nuggets. This one is going to be a good one. I, mm-hmm. I am really looking forward to this one. I'm thankful Jameer Nelson isn't on that roster anymore because it really gives Portland the upper edge in the backcourt. He was a wily veteran who makes smart plays and now they don't have a traditional point guard. So you factor in Dame going up against Emmanuel Moutier and Jamal and, Murray and Jamal Murray, neither known for their defense and Nurkic against his former squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everyone loves Jokic. I mean, rightfully so he is a tremendous offensive talent, but he is terrible defensively and he cannot stick with Nurk, it'll be interesting to see how Denver utilizes Paul Millsap um, in this game. He had a very slow start to the season, but it was really picking up his game. But uh, I, I like I like Vonley defending Paul. I like our youth and our length and athleticism at that position. Um, it's just going to be important to not let Jokic kind of dictate the. Stop. The game from from Denver's end. Mm. So we want to be able to run it through Nurk. Hopefully Jokic, because what happened in that previous game, I believe it was in April, Jokic kind of stopped playing a bit. Like he stopped looking to score. He was getting bullied in the post by Nurkic. He, I don't think he was mentally ready for that game. Nurkic was fired up. Mm-hmm. Um, Nurkic of the two has more swagger. I'm not saying that makes him a better overall basketball player, but in these head-to-head matchups, when you're going up against a team that you supposedly felt did you wrong, that, if channeled correctly, can be such... Oh, yeah. You got an angry grizzly bear coming right at you. And so what are you going to do? So I think if if we see a similar Jokic, it's going to be lights out for Portland, but... I could also see Portland coming out a little sloppy. Denver has a lot of shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Murray, one of them. They still have Wilson Chandler, who felt like who's felt like he's been in the league for 20 years, who always seems to have a good game against Portland. So this is a game memory where you try not to double if you can. Just just play solid defense and. I know you obviously have to score more points than the other team to win the game, but I think this is a game where you try to win on the offensive end of the floor and really push your agenda on that end. Because if you can get them to play your way, maybe more of a half court style, if you limit Denver, do not let them get out on the break. They're a young team. They can make tremendous passes, especially from both Millsap, Mason Plumley, and Joker. They have an ability to, they're a team that can beat anybody, but be beaten by anybody. Mm. And I know that's can be I mean, for a lot of teams, but I feel like that's really true for this Nugget team. Like 
they played the Warriors the other night at home, and I was like, I think Denver might beat them. I mean, Denver ended up, end up getting blown out, but it's they just have that team that once every three or four games, they look like the team that everyone's hyping them up to be. I just hope that doesn't happen in Portland. I think that the two X factors for me is how Nurk handles his emotions, and then Emmanuel Moody is improved. He definitely looks like an NBA player. Jamal Murray starts. I think it's Dame time all game, bro. Jamal I Murray think- doesn't have the lateral quickness to hang with Dame. I think it's going to be a dominant game for Damian Lillard. I think my X factor is the bench. We have not seen a really strong bench performance out of this second unit for quite some time. Denver has a lot of depth. Um, I think they've got what Hernan Gomez, Mason Plumley, Malik Beasley, uh, Will Barton. I mean, they've got a lot of guys who are going to come in and not really. You're not going to notice much drop off. They, they they are an extremely deep team. Knowing that, you know, I've I've had my qualms with Evan Turner, but this could be a game where he gets posted up on a smaller guard and, and he can he can go to work. We really need Pat Connaughton to hit a couple of threes just to get him going. Um, Biggie Swan again, Ed Davis. When they get in the game, they must control the boards. If they yeah, can get they got a, Ken Freed. They have to go against Ken Freed for those rebounds. And Kenneth Freed. So if you remember that first game, he, I think he had them up ten or fifteen points in the first quarter. Like he was grabbing every single rebound. He was alley-oops like he was really fired up he still feels wronged by us drafting nolan smith ahead of him in that 2011 draft so he always plays strong against us so i'm looking for the bench production if portland can at least neutralize that and then the battle on the boards so is portland holding them to one chance are they getting multiple chances second chance points offensive rebounds portland must win those categories because at the end of the day i think nurk is going to have a good performance I don't know if you can quite bank on him having that that big 30-20 night he did last last year. Um, and we certainly don't want to have to rely on, on Damon CJ bailing us out every single time. It'd be nice to have a real solid team win. This one's – I'm the most nervous about this game because mm-hmm. it is game five of game six. You had the weekend off. I mean we don't play Saturday or Sunday next week, which is pretty rare in, in the association. Do you come ready to work? And I gotta say, the one thing that kind of worries me about our wings, the the reason Joker is able to be that unicorn that handles the ball so much is because people have to respect the shooting of those of Gary Harris and Wilson Chandler, but they oh, also shit. I have to forgot about Gary Harris. Yeah, but they also have to. Be cognizant of how well that those guys cut off ball. That team has a lot of ball movement, player movement, and can't just be ball watching against this team because they will backdoor cut the fuck out of us. Um, man, th- this is a tough one, man. Like this is like if this te- if these two teams played a hundred times. It's like a 55-45. I'm going Portland because of the home court and the Rowdy fans. Yeah, 
Denver traditionally does not play well in Portland. We traditionally do not play well in Denver. I think the home court has to have some form of value for the Trailblazers, but this this Denver team to date, they started the season with a 10-point loss in Utah, a game they had a double-digit lead. They yeah, blew. They, they shit the bed. They won their home opener against the Kings handily by about 17 points. They lose to the Wizards at home. They lose on the road at Charlotte by 17. They come back and have two road wins against two bottom feeders in the Eastern Conference, a close one against the Hawks, a blowout against the Nets. Then they lay an egg against the New York Knicks in the Garden, come back with an impressive 18-point beatdown of the Raptors, a one-point victory over the Heat, and then just get spanked by by the Golden State Warriors. So predicting this team is damn near impossible. So let's kind of try and take that out of the elements and not really know what you're going to get from them and just look at what we know and what we've seen from the Trailblazers. With Vonley and Nurkic, I feel a lot better about this game going up against the the Joker Millsap front line. And are we I, assuming that Amino's out? I think he's out for quite some time. Yeah. So I think Nurk is going to get his. Uh, the The big thing for him is going to be, like you said, contain, contain his emotions, channel them positively. Hopefully, he talks to Damian like he he did in his last game against the Nuggets, which really calmed him down, but he knew that he was going to get it. So if I'm Portland, I feed him early and often. And then it's really going to come down to, can we make shots? I think we're going to be able to get our our looks that we want against them because either they're going to have to double Nurkic or, or Dame, I think, is going to be able to get busy. They don't have a tr- true shot blocker in there that should deter anyone from from really going to the ba- the basket. So are we going to be able to hit those open shots? That's really what it's going to come down to. Guys like Connaughton, guys like Harkless, um, you know, unfortunately even Evan Turner. Like they're going to have to make make their shots. <laughs> my head is saying a loss, but my heart's kind of, you know, let's just go for it. So we always go with the heart in Rip City. It's at home. I, I think you're looking at another close game. So I think we're looking at three just nail biters, nail biters that this upcoming week. So I've got Portland winning. I think it's going to be a similar situation. I think we'll hit a game winner. I don't know who it's going to be, but probably Dame. Yeah, I mean, so if stock up on those those Rolades, those Tums, the Pepto, all that, the, all the antacid, drink lots of fluids, um, monitor your breathing, watch the game with with somebody so so they can they can check in on you. Um, because it's, I think this season, especially in the West, every game, like Dame said, it's, it's going to be a battle and Portland really has to be ready for that. This is a game they should win, but it's definitely a loss that could happen. The the Nuggets are like the most high variance team. I mean, you, you went by their win loss. Like it's hard to predict, but you just don't know what you're going to get. But I think if we get these two, that would be a four game winning streak. I, I, it would be hard pressed to see Portland looking over the Nuggets or not coming to that game just extremely fired up. So I've got the Blazers going to be very close, uh, three and a week, but it, it could be one and two. So yeah, I got them as a two and one week. 
All right. It's about 1130 on Monday evening. Sage, I think it's about time to wrap this bad boy up. So uh, once again, thank you to all of our listeners out there. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast at Holy Backboard PDX. We are available on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, and on iTunes. Uh, give us that five-star review. Uh, leave us a comment. And also follow us on social at Holy Backboard on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, if you followed us, you would have seen that we caught up with Tara um, at the Blazer game this past week. Uh, we love just sharing content, especially with our fans, meeting up with people. So if you're at the game, you know, send us a message. Uh, let us know. We'll meet up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be as many games as I am this these first two weeks. But you Dustin, Dustin. You're 2-0. You're two, you're two oh. you're, we're 2-0, Sage. Do it for the team. <laughs> As Tara and I were bought, walking back to our section, I was just like, yeah, that's a charming, charming man that we just hung out with. So, Aw, uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, people are listening for your charm and my shit talking, so. I mean, that's what we're, you know, we're good cop, bad cop. We're <laughs> yeah. the dynamic duo. Yeah, bro, but uh, that, that Thunder game made me so happy. So let, let, let's try and get that 3-0 week. But, um, honestly, I'm fucking exhausted, so I'm not even gonna plug any of my podcasts up. Once Evan drops those prints, all true Blazer fans should cop them. Those look so hot fire. So, two quick things. One, Evan was set to join us. Unfortunately, there was a dispute at his apartment complex, not with Evan directly, um, so he had to, you know, step in like a good citizen and, uh, unfortunately couldn't make it, but we will have him on, uh, very soon. Uh, and lastly, Sage, before we sign off quick knee jerk reactions on the proposed new rip city jerseys with the plaid. I don't like them. Let's leave it at that. I <laughs> think they are okay. However, I don't like that they're replacing the, the white original uh, home Rip City jerseys. Those were some of my favorites that we've ever worn, and I think some of the cleanest in the league. So Blazers and the, you know, the jersey designers, come on, do better. Don't the wheel wasn't broken. No need to fix it. Until then, until next week, Dustin and Sage here. Go Blazers, baby. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go.